Welcome to another edition of Healthcare's Missing Link, a podcast where we help you determine the things that are stealing your best health from you. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Sherwood, as always, and it's my distinct pleasure today to introduce a colleague and a friend that I've grown to respect and admire and even follow myself over the course of the years, Dr. James Meehan. He's the uh, founder of, I believe, CatalystMD, MeehanMD.com is his website. He is an ophthalmologist by trade. He's a specialist in preventive medicine. He is all things that are health. And today we're going to dive into two things that he's very passionate and extremely knowledgeable about. I would consider him a resident expert in these two things, the issues of mask and vaccine. So, uh, Jim, thanks for joining us, man. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here and it's an honor. Um, I follow you as well, Mark and Michelle. I, I love what you do. And I feel like we've kind of locked shields and trying to stop people from stealing health from us. And we, we work in an industry that is full of thieves, <laughs> if you will. I think, I think mask, masks, you know, let's just start off by saying masks are actually stealing our health. It's yep. subtle. It's um, nefarious, but it, they, they are not the beneficial tool that we're being led to believe they are. So take us down that pathway. I know, first of all, it was, you know, the mask were there to flatten the curve, you know, well, and of course that didn't work out so well. And it was, it just kind of transitioned to other things. So take us through that transition, Jim. Well, yeah. So, I mean, we began this, we began this whole pandemic with a pack of lies. Um, really the, the imperial model that was used that was predicting 2.2 million deaths in the United States was, um, an unevidence-based model that there, you know, the originator Neil Ferguson couldn't even produce the data and the modeling, the software, the algorithms that were used. So that, you know, that that really started when I first saw that. And and I'm a former medical editor. I used to edit a medical journal. So I, I've I've learned to be very skeptical in the medical science because. Throughout my career, I've seen um, fraudulent science that misleads medical doctors, certainly patients, um, really leads us down the wrong track. We have to be very careful, very discerning. Uh, everything I read, I read, you know, I don't just read headlines and abstracts. You, the, the meat, the details, the devil is in those details, the methodology, what dose did they use? You know, what was the follow-up? Um, who funded the study? It's one of the first places everybody should look, you know. Um, but we started off this pandemic with some real, you know, serious misinformation. And, um, and then it just got worse and worse. The mask issue was, at first we had, you know, the Surgeon General, Anthony Fauci, the CDC, the WHO, they were all aligned in don't wear masks, they don't work. I agreed with that because we've been studying the mask issue and its ability to mitigate um, viruses like influenza for 30, 40 years. And all of the study has, all of the studies, the highest level studies, and we have several that are the highest level of um, in the hierarchy of evidence that we use in science. So meta-analyses of randomized controlled trials. Those studies have always concluded that masks are of no benefit in the prevention of the transmission of a virus like influenza, which has a size and has a lot of characteristics very similar to SARS-CoV-2. So when they said that, yeah, that made sense to me. The lockdown thing early, it was, you know, it was questionable, um, but we had a real, it was a big unknown. We had a virus that was, we didn't know anything about. And, um, you know, that seemed like, okay, that's going to be reasonable 15 days to flatten the curve. But what are we now? 115 <laughs> days or more. So um, there was just a lot of unknowns. And unfortunately, we stopped using the evidence-based science and we started creating, you know, uh, recommendations for the population that were without evidence. And so when the U.S. Surgeon General said in February, February 29th, in fact, on Twitter, people stop buying masks. They don't work to block the coronavirus. And then in March and April, and, and Fauci said the same thing, and then March and April, they changed their recommendations. But you know what didn't change? The science didn't change. There was no new science. This is when I was really digging in and looking. Well, what was the, what evidence? Surely it's on the CDC website. It's not there. In fact, there's no evidence on their website. 
Um, then they started recommending cloth masks. And, and I was like, that's been studied. That doesn't make any sense. They even had directions on how to make your cloth mask. And then I had real concerns about the, the issue of wearing cloth masks. It's something I've, you know, I'm a surgeon. I've, I've worn a mask for 10,000 procedures in an operating room, which by the way, um, it's, it's the constant fallacy that I always hear. It's the idea, well, if it, if it doesn't work, then why do surgeons wear it? Well, we wear masks in an optimal environment, in an environment in which the air exchange is many times what you would see out in the regular environment. The temperature is low. The oxygen is high. Uh, you know, the filtration is maximized. This is an optimized environment for wearing a mask. And yet, when surgeons wear a mask in an operating suite, even in that optimal environment, we have to be careful. I'm a eye surgeon. I'm, I work underneath the microscope. If I wear a mask and, it, and it's, I know it blocks my oxygen, it's been studied, it blocks arterial oxygen uh, or you know, oxygen intake, which lowers arterial oxygen. I would start getting a tremor after about 30 or 40 minutes of wearing a mask because the more they you breathe into them, the more they accumulate moisture, the more blocking effect that they have and the more adverse effects in our arterial blood gases. So we knew these things and yet we have our public health experts and I put that in air quotes because they were offering inexpert advice. That advice that especially when you are you know, saying do this in the community and the community is not trained, Mark. I mean, you've seen it. All you have to do is go walk around at Walmart or your community and you'll see people wearing masks on their chin, hanging them off their ear, picking them, taking them out of their pocket. For goodness sake, our jur- our Surgeon General even did that in, a, in one of the press conferences. He pulled his mask out of his pocket and put it on his face. That mask is contaminated, you know, de facto um, contaminated, and he's mm-hmm. that's that's modeling it. So we're not we're not teaching. We never taught the public how to maintain sterility, how to wear a mask once and dispose of it after a relatively short period of time. And then in a Oklahoma summer, um, sweating, you know, in, in in environments that are nothing like an operating room. This is a prescription for disaster. The, the possible contamination of the mask, the handling of the mask that is now, you know, if it's whatever it's contaminated with, viruses, bacteria, and fungi, stuff that are going to be growing on that mask and in that mask, you're now spreading that all over the place at a much higher um, density, more infectious than if it were falling out three to six feet from your mouth. Um, you know, large respiratory droplets. Um, then the other, the other concern I was actually having one of our senators, um, Senator Stanridge and I, he's a former uh, pharmacist, very smart guy. And he was like, we were brainstorming and all the problems with the mask and, and out of our brainstorming session came this, this idea about you got a mask and it's, it's trapping these, you know, respiratory droplets. Now, it will the force of our breath and the heat of our breath break those large respiratory droplets down into smaller droplets that are what we call respiratory nuclei that can um, will easily pass through the mask because the masks are, are, are will not be able to drop uh, stop the uh, smaller droplets. And will that actually be aerosolizing the these infectious viral particles? And now we have science that says that's what's happening. Um, There was a new laser study that was done that demonstrated that those smaller respiratory droplets are completely not blocked by these these homemade and and cloth masks, which really is what's predominating out in the market, out in the community. And so masks may not only be blocking arterial oxygen, um, depriving our brain, our hearts, our body tissues of important energy creating oxygen, increasing our CO2 levels, mask increase our CO2 levels, just really disrupt the, the blood gases that are necessary for optimal function and normal function. Um, not only will the mask, you know, block the, the, um, what our lungs are trying to exhale, not just the CO2, but also, you know, respiratory pathogens. Um, 
but it, it's also going to create probably an increased transmission of the virus in the community. And that's, that's a real problem. And then, of course, the, my biggest concern was I st- early I started studying the genetic structure of the virus and like, where did it come from? You know, there was, there was so much conspiracy theory and, and uh, um, some people say, Oh, Dr. Meehan, you're a conspiracy theorist. And, and, and I remind them, yeah, so was Noah. And then it started raining. Uh, so, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm just a skeptic. I'm just a, a scientist just trying to find the truth constantly. Cause I know that we're not always being told the truth. Am I right, Mark? You know, and right. don't believe what you hear. Somebody has got to be the watcher on the wall out here watching mm. the science and the scientists and the pharmaceutical industry and everybody else that has a big piece, you know, a big interest and a conflict of interest in this whole thing. So, um, so I was really studying this virus and the, the, the genetic mutation, the new genetic SNP that was the, the sequence that was inserted into this SARS um, beta uh, coronavirus family was what's called a furin cleavage site, um, right. a furin cleavage domain. Now, that's, that's not found in any other beta coronaviruses. This cleavage domain um, is something that really makes the virus more dangerous. It, may, it becomes more infectious, more capable to enter our cells when arterial oxygen is low. So that's a big problem. Um, and, it's, uh, and how it got there is still an issue of debate. I don't think that it got, you know, it wasn't just bats and pangolins exchanging slobber. I mean, it was, it was, <laughs> it was, looks to be bioengineered. But that insertion, that you combine that and you combine the fact that it's a very transmissible virus, one person is very likely to transmit it to 5.6, 5.7 people. That's the R-naught value appears to be higher than what we originally um, estimated. So you've got a a very transmissible virus. We see it, you know, in the serology studies, it's running through our populations, which is bad and it's also good um, in the sense that a lot of us are getting it. It's mild, it's asymptomatic, but you know what can make it worse is putting a mask on your face. If you have this this SARS-CoV-2 coronavirus in your body, in your lungs, and your lungs are going to exhale some of those viral particles, the worst thing that you can do, Mark, is to put a mask on your face to cover the nose and mouth, and force the rebreathing of those viral particles, especially Mm. when we also combine that with the fact that the mask lowers arterial oxygen significantly too, by the way. Um, And it lowers, so that's going to activate the furin cleavage site. You're going to increase your viral load by rebreathing those viral particles. That combination of events in the human body could take a mild or asymptomatic disease process and turn it into a severe or lethal case. I'm really concerned about that. Now, when you, when you actually look at the granularity, the, the data of communities that, that implemented mandatory masks, you will find that hospitalizations are actually going up. They don't want to tell that story. So they kind of, you know, they frame the data in a way that tells a different story it's, you know, it's like there's lies, damn lies, and statistics. And (laughs) the statistics are being used against it. I think Mark Twain said that. But I love that one. It's so true in medicine. But they're using, they're not telling the full truth. And, and, and I, you know, this, this danger of mask is something that really needs to quickly, seriously be explored. Because, all of these different mechanisms, when they come together, an untrained community, um, a highly transmissible virus, a virus that has a furin cleavage site inserted into it, um, this is this is a real prescription for disaster. And I think that we will, hopefully, we will eventually expose the mistake of this of masking and these viral outbreaks. It's the first time that it's we've ever really done it this way, Mark. There's so many experiments that have been perpetrated on the population of the world. The, you know, quarantining healthy people, we've never done that before. 
No. That, we've never done that before and we should never do it again because not only have we, and not only had, was it ineffective, did it not work? It, it might've flattened the curve a little bit, but ultimately we cannot hide from a virus that transmits like this. You can't, not behind a mask, not in your home. And we never considered the other side of these equations. You know, we're not considering the risk to benefit analysis fully. The, we have a shadow pandemic coming. We have a, a pandemic. I mean, it's not coming. It's here. People are taking their lives. Uh, you know, despair, despondency is leading to increased suicides in various areas that are reporting this data. We're seeing an increase in suicides in one month that um, outstrips is more than what the, that same community would see in an entire year. This is data out of California. Um, the the effect of the lockdown on our economy that that pushes people that's a known quantity we study economists uh, economists know that when we when you put 40 50 million people out of jobs when when the economy is shutting down when businesses are closing and they'll never open their doors again that's there's a real cost in lives and life years lost because a lot of these people that die from despair, despondency, take their life from a drug overdose or some other means, that they're young people. And we've they've lost 60, 70 years of life. Those are life years. Um, the people, you know, that are dying from SARS-CoV-2 um, are, uh, for the most part, you know, 75 plus and they have multiple comorbid conditions. And they're the same population that dies from influenza and other viral illnesses. But we have, um, you know, and, and it's every life loss is a tragic one. But but what is the number? I think it's um, well over 40% of all lives lost were, were elderly people, not just in the community, but in nursing homes. Um, yeah. Really a sad state of health. Gosh, the message for all of us, and I know what you and I and Michelle do, our goal is to keep people healthier. So in those later days of life, you know, they're 85, 90 years old. I've seen some of your patients, by the way, they, um, and they're, you know, in their 80s, yeah. and they're, they're like chasing their great-great-grandchildren around on the soccer field. That's the kind of people that we want. Instead, we've got people that have not paid attention to their health. And in their, in their later years, there's no quality of life. They're locked up in a nursing home. And God forbid you would be locked up in a nursing home in New York City where your governor um, just made one of the most grievous mistakes. And I hope he faces manslaughter charges for what he did, he and his health director, by sending infected COVID-19 patients back into those nursing homes. Right. So many lives were lost in this country because you know, policymakers, lawmakers, leaders that should be protecting their community were doing the opposite. They were killing their community by se by sending, an, you know, infected patients back into nursing homes. I mean, the Javits Center was nearly empty. The, the Mercy ship, the hospital ship was nearly empty. And Cuomo sent those, you know, cleared those beds and sent them back into these nursing homes. That's a real travesty. Completely irresponsible. And, you know, I think it was, it's pretty agreeable at this point, Jim, that the data is starting to come out and what you're saying. There's a lot of people that have been perhaps silent, and now a few people are starting to speak up. But the elephant in the room is, what's really going on? What do these people have to gain by mandating masks? What's the point of that? Well, that's the, that's the big question. And, and you probably, you know, I, I, People won't like my answer, probably, but I'm going to give it anyway. Yes. Um, you know, I, I think we knew that I got to I got to say that there are elements in our society right now, um, like Cuomo and what he did. He he knew better. Um, Anthony Fauci knew better. The CDC and the WHO and the World Health Organization, they knew that masks would not work. So why are they telling us to do them? Is it more about you know, fear, fear mongering, manipulating the population to be more submissive to be, because, you know, one of the constant things that will always happen when you block your arterial oxygen and is you will get anxious, you will get tense, you will get brain fog. Um, it, it, it kind of builds the anxiety and the fear when 
if you, so if you're wearing a mask all the time and you're watching CNN, MSNBC, The View, and some of the, you know, these and other, you don't have any money from being out of work. On yeah. So you're just sitting there. I mean, can you imagine the, the, the anxiety, the fear, and how manipulatable you are? We're all being so much of the messaging so clear. You know, Anthony Fauci casting shade on, on therapeutics like hydroxychloroquine. It was, we, were being, we were being set up to submit to a more expensive antiviral like remdesivir, uh, $3,200 course of remdesivir. And by the way, Anthony Fauci's conf- he's conflicted in his interest. He is, he's got money in the game. He has a conflict of interest. Um, you know, people don't realize that a lot of our CDC scientists can own patents the Bayer Dole Act gave them the ability to own a patent, to license it out to industry and receive as much as $150,000 a year in royalty payments from that patent. And by the way, they patented it doing science that was paid for by taxpayers. And yet they get to make money and that conflicts the, you know, the, the decision making. They're financially biased. And so they they, they have money in the game in many of these situations. A lot of these vaccines and the childhood vaccine, um, the CDC schedule, the um, uh, Anthony Fauci, he's got, he's got multiple patents and, that he receives license payment on. And um, Moderna, the Moderna vaccine is one that he has an interest in. So he's setting us up because he's, he stands to make money. Um, the, the, the whole idea really is to set up the big money is in a vaccine that yep. they mandate on the population and it's coming. I mean, if they can oh, yeah. mandate masks, do you think they're not going to mandate the vaccine? So they're going to try to mandate a vaccine for 7.5 billion people mm-hmm. in the world. And that's big money. And there's lots, that's why everybody's working hard to get a piece of that, that vaccine mandate pie. And that's what we're all being set up for. Cause we're talking about, trillions of dollars flowing and and you that's you know we're in this era of what i call fundamentalist science you know fundamentalism is is kind of usually a disparative in terms of religions but science has become a religion it does it's not always about evidence it's about you know follow do exactly what we say cuz we're the experts and um i'm really concerned about where we're going with this coronavirus vaccine because we're already hearing stories out of third world countries where they're being tested. There was a, um, a, a, a publication, a, a published report out of Lugansk in the Ukraine talking about 18 vi- volunteers that were administered by American virologists, a vaccine. Um, within 24 hours, eight of the 18 were in the ICU. Within 48 hours, five of the eight that were in the ICU, so five of the 18, had died. And that's, that's, and these were all um, uh, Ukrainian servicemen and women. So they were, they're experimenting on troops, right? And, and we know that our troops here in the United States are supposedly going to be the first vaccine recipients. But eight, you know, five out of the 18 dying, that's a, that is a high death rate. But that's not to be unexpected with this, you know, with coronavirus vaccines. We actually know quite a bit about the difficulty of creating a coronavirus vaccine. If we could, we would have had it by now. The, yes, we tried to create a vaccine for SARS-CoV-1 in 2003 through 2005. And here's what happened. And here's what the public needs to really be, uh, needs to understand. The, the concept of um, pathological priming of the immune system really rose out of those vaccine trials in animals. So what they did is they created a a vaccine for SARS-CoV-1. They gave it to a bunch of ferrets because ferrets have an immune system. Um, By the way, my my background, my specialty in ophthalmology was ocular inflammation and immunology. So Mm. I know quite a bit about that's my area. So um, what they did with these ferrets, they gave them the vaccine. Of course, we don't know what the adverse event rate is because ferrets don't complain very much. But when they gave, when they then took the vaccinated population of ferrets and they exposed them to the wild type virus, it created this hyper exaggeration of the immune response that melted their organs. They almost, the majority of the, 
ferrets died. And they, they uh, in studying the pathology specimens, they found that there was just uh, an incredible cytokine storm that was created that was just, um, just literally melting their organs. Their lungs were dissolved. So it, it, they call it ADE, antibody-dependent enhancement, which that kind of makes it sound, you know, pretty like an enhancement. That's a good thing, right? But right. it's not. It's a, it's, it should be called pathological priming of the immune system. It's a very dangerous side effect. We don't know why it happened. And yet here we are, we're warp speeding, rushing to market um, vaccines that many of which have never, we, we don't have any history with the, M, the mRNA, messenger RNA, Moderna vaccine, and the Pfizer vaccine, the Oxford vaccines. These are completely new. And we will not have long-term studies. We will not, of course, in vaccines, we never have long-term studies. That's a whole nother topic. And I, I could spend an hour just talking about the poor science of vaccinations. But the, these experimental vaccines for a very difficult virus to create a vaccine for, very high probability or, or risk of creating pathological priming, you know, enhancing in a dangerous way the immune system. Um, and we don't know. The, the experiment will be the first people that line up. And, you know, the recent studies, I'm, I'm kind of encouraged to see the, the polls that say it won't be it's no longer going to be 60 or 70% of people that are going to line up. It's uh, last, last I heard is down to 42%. Right. Let's imagine that, that unexpected consequences of vaccinating 42% of the world's population results in antibody dependent enhancement or pathological priming. And when that, that virus that recirculates comes back to those vaccinated people, they get infected and they, are destroyed. Uh, we're going to drop a percentage of the population. We're talking in about that one billion people there, probably. One we are could die yeah. with that. Very likely, it could be a depopulation event, and that's why, in fact, you see some of the the leading experts in you know um, in favor of vaccines in general, Paul Offit, Peter Hotez, um, coming out and saying we got to be very careful about this because if this goes wrong not only will it depopulate um, a, a good percentage of the population but it will destroy the vaccine industry in general i i think there's i think we need to tear down and start over in the vaccine um industry but i love our neighbors way too much i love people too much to allow the industry to perpetrate this kind of anti-science um failure to do gold standard science to prove safety and efficacy before administering to the population. So I, I just, I'm not going to let them get away with it. Yeah. We're going to have to insist on better science um, using inert placebos. The Moderna vaccine trials, Mark, they were using the meningitis vaccine as a control. This is the, this is the modus operandi, by the way, of the vaccine industry. They don't use placebo controls. Um, what, what we should demand is placebo controls. You have to have an inert control group, you know, vaccinated versus unvaccinated and, and follow the health outcomes. It's never been done in the childhood vaccines and they're trying to not do it in, with these coronavirus vaccines. So I just, you know, the science is wrong. Um, the science has been, is fraudulent and corrupted and the peop, the public doesn't know and they're going to get a vaccine and, um, they're not going to be give, given the informed consent that they that is legally and ethically required. They won't be told, "Hey, there's a risk mm. that this is going to, uh, you know, upregulate your immune system. If you encounter the wild type virus later, it could really create a worse situation than if you had been unvaccinated and encountered the virus. It could kill you." They won't tell you that. The other thing that I find abhorrent, Mark, is they won't tell you that that um, five of the leading eight vaccines are being made using um, aborted fetal cellular material. Um, that's just you know that that little th that truth is not being told to parents. And when I learned it, when I finally when when I became educated on what's in vaccines, how they're made, 
um, my, my kids were older and they'd been mostly vaccinated. Had I been told at the time of vaccination that my children's bodies, mind, body, and spirit would be defiled by the, um, the use of aborted fetal material. And we're not talking about, um, they obfuscate on this issue all the time. We're not talking about, um, it's just used, oh, it was, it was, it was um, harvested in the 1960s and there's really nothing in the vaccine. The chickenpox vaccine has twice as much human aborted fetal cellular DNA and microfragments and residual cellular proteins as it has the chickenpox antigen. We're talking twice as much human antigen being injected to our children with a chickenpox vaccine as, it, uh, as the chickenpox antigen itself. So this is not inconsequential. That human antigen could be stimulating this epidemic of autoimmune disease that we see in the population. So we need more data about exactly how these vaccines are being made. They're so, you know, we're getting science by press conference out of the industry. We're not getting a deep dive and a full disclosure as to how these vaccines are going, how much, how much of this human fetal, you know, cellular material from HEK 293, that's a, that's an aborted fetus from 1975. And uh, how much of that uh, human DNA is going to be in the coronavirus vaccine? The other, um, there's two primary aborted fetal cellular lines that are being used. It's HEK 293 and PERC6. Anybody can go Google those. And um, there was a New York Times article. I think it was New York Times. Uh, I'll share it with you, Mark, so you can share it with your listeners. Yes, that please. that reports exactly what I'm telling you. This is not made up stuff. This is the deeper science that you never hear in the mainstream media. Listen, I'm I, I have to be precise in everything I talk about because I speak against the opioid industry. I speak against the vaccine industry. I speak against this anti-science stuff. And if I if there's a weakness in my armor, if my science is not solid, if I don't reference everything I talk about, they'll take me out. They'll have me at the medical board. They'll they'll do something to take me out. So I'm careful. I don't say anything that I can't back up. So please, you know, do everyone needs to do their own research. It's out there. What what we're talking about today, this is all truth. And I can defend it in a court of law or any place that I need to. Well, let me ask you this, you know, that I think we're in a place now where the awareness is growing and uh, because of um, leaders like yourself, passionately and accurately looking at these studies and unwinding, we clearly have a population here that's like a bunch of sheep that's walking around hypoxic, probably immunocompromised, increasing because of the mask. And then we're led down this pathway uh, to where these vaccines are it's clearly obvious to everybody involved that mandate of the max vaccine is the desire. At this point, having that, people are going, okay, I don't want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of the solution. What does John Q. Public do with this at this point? What would you recommend that, you know, John or Jane Doe sitting out here listening right now on their couch, how would you tell them to handle this? Well, so the we need to um, support the health of our bodies and our immune system. And there are actually very powerful low cost tools that you have access to every day, going out into the sunlight and optimizing your vitamin D levels or taking a a vitamin D supplement with K2. um, These are low cost interventions. Um, But we've been deprived of of the importance of that. If we spend as much time talking about the benefits of vitamin D as we do masks, we would have far fewer people dying in hospitals. You know, it, there's there was a study that was done on on everybody that we had laboratory data in New York City that died that we had vitamin D levels. Um, 98% of the people that died in New York City um, had a vitamin D level that was below 17 nanograms per deciliter. At the lowest, that. verify that. That is very true. That's right. It's the data is out there. So we know we've always known. We've known for so many years. You guys have been telling your patients, just as I have, get your vitamin D levels up, especially during the winter. You want to prevent, you know, influenza. Um, you want to optimize the health of your immune system in general. Because listen, there's there's we swim in a sea of viruses. We're exposed to them all day long. What you want to do is have a powerful, healthy immune system that 
that encounters that virus and shreds it, eradicates it, and and then is even capable of of recognizing when it comes the next time. Yeah. One of the reasons that a lot of people are mild and asymptomatic with coronavirus SARS-CoV-2 is because there's a lot of the epitopes, the antigens from coronaviruses that we get all the time. It's one of the reasons kids are probably mostly immune yeah. to it is because they got a they got a healthy, strong immune system that recognizes other portions other than the spike protein. That's just one of, you know, millions of possible antigens that our body has the ability to recognize. So if you, if you stimulate the health of your immune system, you are powering against the armies, the endless armies of microbes out there. It's not just against SARS-CoV-2 and influenza, but everything else. And then, you know, the, the other thing is get, you know, get out of your house because when you isolate your house in your house and you're, you're constantly sterilizing your hands and your environment, you're destroying your microbiome. The, the trillions of bacteria that live on and in us, they're a part of our, of our health maintenance system. So when you isolate, lock down behind a mask, suppressing your immune system, destroying your, your microbiomes, you are setting yourself up for, you're becoming more susceptible. You're becoming a target. So back to your question of why are they telling us to do all these things? Well, are they trying to, you know, make us weaker, make us sicker, make us more susceptible and more controllable? I mean, I can't help but think that in a worst case scenario that there might be some people you know, evil enough to perpetrate those kind of lies on the population. I mean, governments are the the biggest murderers in the history of the world. You know, we've seen it in in Russia and China and other places throughout history. That you know, bad evil people have killed more members of the population than than any virus mm-hmm. you know ever will. So we got to be really conscious of the fact that sometimes. You know, there are just evil people in the world that serve something uh, other than the God that created us. And, and uh, you know, at the end of the day, for me, this is all about spiritual warfare. And people like you and I mm-hmm. were called into this to speak the truth into this darkness, to bring light into this darkness, because there's, there's some dark individuals out there that are doing horrific things to you know, children and members of the population, if you don't think that it's possible that some of those people have risen to positions of power in our government and our public health and our universities and medicine, yeah, you're not thinking, you're not thinking, you're not armed with the knowledge that you need to be able to take care of yourself, to defend yourself. Um, sorry, I got off into a tangent there, but that, that point needs to be made. It does. And from a spiritual perspective, and, you know, um, people know we stand. We've made no um, bones. If That's and what I love about you guys. Yeah. And the, the bottom line is uh, this is a spiritual battle, Jim. I do concur with you. And uh, we would be I think you would agree with this. We'd be remiss, stupid, dumb and naive. I'll use those strong words to 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 not believe that there are evil people that are absolutely agents of the enemy of our soul in power today. And the reason that we are having so much challenges to what you're talking about, which is reasonable, it's accurate, it's based on critical looks at science. The reason we're having so much resistance is because those things give life and the other things give death. And this is about lies and fear versus truth and peace. It's a classic good versus evil, isn't it? It is. It always is at the at the bottom of everything. It's always you know good versus evil, and you know all you have to do your you know your spirit tells you the difference. People need to realize that when you're wearing that mask, do you do you feel uplifted? You know, can you can you smile at your neighbor? How do you express love? You know that in and of itself, not being able to see the the smile of somebody that you greet on your in your neighborhood or in your grocery store, that's depriving us of of love it's depriving yeah. us of the ability and instead the opposite is happening you've got this you know divisiveness this splitting and division between the maskers and the people that don't want a mask 
You know, um, you've got, in fact, they're attacking each other in grocery stores. We've all seen those, those stories. This divisive, the enemy is working, evil is rising desperately, I think, and losing. And we know how the story ends in the end, but the enemy is just creating all of this, this division and um, politics, masks, vaccines, you know, they're, it's all about divisiveness. That should expose you know, to you know, the core of what's really going on here. I mean, let's talk also, because I, I don't want to leave this idea of what can you do to, you know, what do you do in this situation to strengthen your immune system? We talked about vitamin D. We should talk about vitamin C, yep. you know. I mean, um, one of the, Mark, the, one of the modus operandi, the, the strategies of the pharmaceutical industry is anytime there's a low cost, highly effective, whether it be a supplement, um, a food, or a medication, they will, here's what they do. They've done it with hydroxychloroquine, a low cost $40 treatment that is saving lives. And I've reviewed the science everywhere, um, including the, the studies that were designed to, to fail and kill patients. I'm talking about the recovery and the UK solidarity trials where they gave lethal doses of hydroxychloroquine to, and then, you know, they expect people to not read the methodology and the dosing. Um, but what the pharmaceutical industry does, and by the way, those trials were created with three members of the Gates Foundation on the committee that created the dosing and the, the whole design. So, uh, and, uh, three members of the Gates Foundation and multiple members of the pharmaceutical industry that had, you know, financial interest and conflicts of interest shouldn't have been on that committee. It should have been independent scientists. So what they do is they create, um, they'll create a hundred uh, retrospective observational case control studies that say hydroxychloroquine is bad, vitamin D is ineffective or bad, or vitamin C is ineffective or bad. They'll create a hundred of what I call in that hierarchy of evidence, not randomized controlled meta-analysis trials, but just observational control trials. I could create an observational control trial in about two weeks um, in a, a thousand patients that said carrots cause COVID-19. Yeah. You can you, it's just, you know, it's, it's correlation data. It's weak evidence. And we've made a lot of mistakes in medicine using observational um, retrospective studies to define a intervention. So, um, but what they do, what the pharmaceutical industry does is they'll buy scientists that want to keep the laboratory going, know that if they don't produce what is expected of them, they won't get the next big funding for the next big you know, bought and paid for um, what I call assassination study, but they'll they'll buy these studies to assassinate a low cost therapeutic like vitamin D, like vitamin Z, like zinc, um, another really important therapeutic that the body needs to not only um, inhibit viral transcription in our cells, um, garlic, oregano. I mean, the list goes on. Right? There's so many things that we can do to support the health of our immune system and in general support the health of our bodies that every one of your listeners, and, and I'm sure you've got great protocols that, that people could reach out and get just like I do to, for, you know, that will show you for a few bucks a month, you could, you could, you know, protect yourself against a whole host of infectious diseases. You don't have to wait for a vaccine, folks. You don't have to spend $3,200 for a course of remdesivir that did little more than shorten the, the um, disease course from 15 days to 11 days and have 20% moderate to severe adverse events. That's a crappy, that's a crappy drug. And yet it's the primary drug being used in most of our hospitals. And most of our hospitalists, I've, I've, I've had conversations with several, I've had arguments with several of them that they believe hydroxychloroquine is ineffective and they're not using it. Instead, they're using remdesivir and they're not, they're not treating them with vitamin C and vitamin D and iodine and, and, you know, some of the other things that have been shown to be effective, Mark. It's crazy. Well, it's, clearly, um, it, it's clearly, I mean, and I mean, I'm not, I'm like you, I'm not much of a conspiracy theorist, but I am an observational 
right. uh, oriented person. And we need to open our eyes, open our ears, and probably most importantly, open our hearts to mm. really, if we, if we claim at this point, and I'll make this statement, and I, and I want you to, uh, Jim, I want you to, to kind of close this up with a nice bow of encouragement for people because, you know, we give them all this stuff, but I think we need to understand if we really believe that a God exists who loves people, who loves his creation, and he really does love us. Like he says, we need to seek him with all of our heart with this one and really listen to his word as he speaks to us. He will unravel and reveal truth to us regardless of anything else. And if we are being led around by fear, clearly that's the native language of whom our enemy and so it's, it's, it's not that hard to figure out if we just would really listen to this. And I really hope everyone listens to this particular podcast two, three, four or five times. And again, on those articles, send those because I'm going to post those below and all this because I want people to get this. So anything you send, I will post down there for them to quickly look. So what? In words of encouragement, uh, Jim, would you offer people? Because, you know, I, w- I want people to have some, some hope to hang on to here. What is that? Well, number one, the, the biggest hope that I can bring is that this disease is not nearly as bad as it's being made out to be, that it is, it is in most age groups, it is uh, much less uh, dangerous than influenza has shown itself to be. Certainly in young people, it is, uh, you're much more likely to die in an automobile accident driving one hour on the way to school than you are to, to die of coronavirus being transmitted in schools. It's, it's, you know, that's, we need to put in context the real um, relevance, the real risks here, because we're being made to believe that this is the infectious apocalypse. That is, that is wrong information. It's, um, it's, you're being fear mongered and stop believing it. Scripture says God did not give us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of uh, power, love, and a sound mind. We gotta, we gotta get back into our congregations, go back to church, um, reconnect with other people that will, you know, um, don't be afraid to hug, to show your face and to smile and transmit love because that, that mind body connection is more powerful than people realize. If you are hunkered down in your basement, hiding from the virus, isolated, you are suppressing your immune system. But when you get out walking and smiling at people on the trail or in your neighborhood, your immune system becomes more powerful. You could, there are, there are low cost therapeutics um, like vitamin D, vitamin C and zinc and others that you can access that will really give you a powerful immune system. Just because you're over 75 doesn't mean that you're, you know, you're at high risk. It has to do with your health. Stop eating Krispy Kremes, McDonald's and drinking Mountain Dew, you know, start eating healthy, get out and walk. I mean, that's uh, one of the greatest things I've seen is I'm seeing people out walking and exercising far more than I, I used to. I think people are trying, are getting it, you know? Um, So I I think there's, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of reasons to be very hopeful. There's, there's been a, an exposure of this kind of nefarious, whether you want to call it the deep state cabal Mm -hmm. um, that has really overstepped themselves. They've overplayed their hand and people that were kind of, numb and and oblivious now they're waking up and they're like we're literally being lied to mm-hmm. we're being told different right. things and now they're starting to do their own you know their own research and they're starting to they're starting to say i need to get in shape i need to take some vitamin d i need to stop believing these liars that have a financial interest and they're trying to just herd me into a line to get vaccinations the numbers are going down in the polls. So I got nothing but hope, love, and, and, a, and great hope for the future. I think this is a big transformation in our society. Um, freedom-loving people are rising up. The silent majority is rising up. We're going to stop believing this, you know, fear-mongering, and, and we're going to be a better we're going to be better people. We're going to be more loving, more compassionate people at the mm-hmm. end of this. And that's God t- taking what the enemy intended for evil. God is turning and using for his own good. 
Amen. Dr. Jim Meehan, that was excellent, wonderful, inspiring, educational. And I know we appreciate it. I really want, want to get into this. Now, I want a sequel to this, if, if you could. I think this is yeah. beautiful. There's going to be multiple questions. Friends, I want you to listen to this over and over again and dive into the data that will attach right below the link to this podcast. How do people connect with you, Jim? Well, I have got, I've got a website at mehanmd.com, M-E-E-H-A-N-M-D.com, and my blogs are all there and highly referenced. So that's how you can reach me. And wow, I feel like my immune system just got 10 times more powerful just talking love with you, Mark. So I appreciate the opportunity for you to doctor me and make my immune system stronger by, you just helped me to be more, more hopeful and, uh, and alive. Well, that, that means a lot. I'm, I'm grateful and very honored to, to have you. And certainly, I think we'd both agree that if you're living in fear, you're not living life. And I think we need to get back to living life and not worry about the point of death, but worry about the quality of life. That's something we should be focusing on. And that's something we all should do. And I'm, I'm certainly honored about what you're doing and uh, love the passion, love the information. And I really hope people do connect with you. So uh, just from the and bottom of my too. heart. Thank yeah. you so much for everything. Mark really. and Michelle are the bomb.com. So check <laughs> them out because they've made a lot of healthy people in Tulsa, Oklahoma and, and the world. Because I know you guys reach broadly, but I have nothing but respect for you guys too. Thank you for, you know, being brave and courageous and getting the truth out. Um, glad to be standing shoulder to shoulder with you defending the truth, brother. And we are. Uh, we will stand firm, uh, all of us, uh, men, women, leaders like you and I, and we're not going to back down. And that's exactly what I want you to do, friends. I want you to, to, to get your forward-facing armor on, be prepared for a war. But no, we've got the King of Kings and Lord of Lords in our court, and we aren't going to back down. And we already know the victory is ours, so we're going to stand firm in that. And I really want to thank you so much, folks, for joining us again another edition of Healthcare is Missing Link. And one thing I always want you to do is subscribe to find out what's coming next for episodes just like this. And we're going to get Dr. Meehan on again as well so we look forward to seeing you uh in next week's podcast for now we'll see you next time have a good day